chapter 3 and verse 1. This second epistle, beloved, I now write unto you, in both which I stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance, that ye may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandments of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior. We see here that Peter is definitely the writer of both epistles. All right. And then he says, I want to keep before you the word of God written by the prophets before us and the words of Jesus that was given to us by him and later given to you by us, the apostles of Jesus Christ. I want you all to keep the word of God ever before you. Verse three, knowing this first, that thou shall come in the last days, scoffers, walking after their own lusts, and saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. For this they willingly are ignorant of, that by the word of God the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of the water and in the water, whereby the world that then was, being overflowed with water, perished. But the heavens and the earth, which are now, by the same word are kept in store, reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and prediction of ungodly men. But, beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the wish the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Now let me read uh, these verses from the Living Bible, which makes it very plain. Verse 3 from the Living Bible. It says, First, I want to remind you that in the last days there will come scoffers who will do every wrong they can think of and laugh at the truth. This would be their line of argument. So Jesus promised to come back, huh? Did he? Then where is he? He'll never come. Why? As far back as anyone can remember, everything has remained exactly as it was since the first day of creation. They deliberately forget this fact that God did destroy the world with a mighty flood long after he had made the heavens by the word of his command and had used the waters to form the earth and surround it. And God has commanded that the earth and the heavens be stored away for a great bonfire at the judgment day when all ungodly men will perish. But don't forget this, dear friends, that a day or a thousand years from now is like tomorrow to the Lord. He isn't really being slow about his promised return, even though it sometimes seemed that way. But he is waiting for the good reason that he is not willing that any should perish, and he is giving more time for sinners to repent. The day of the Lord is surely coming, as unexpectedly as a thief, and then the heavens will pass away with a terrible noise, and the heavenly bodies will disappear in fire. And the earth and everything on it will be burned up. 
All right, verse 11. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness? Reading from the Living Bible, and it says, And so since everything around us is going to melt away, what holy, godly lives we should be living? Verse 12. Looking for and hasting unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire, shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Now, Peter speaks of the Christian as not only being eagerly awaiting the coming of Christ, but also hastening it on. The New Testament shows us two ways in which we can hasten the coming of Christ. Number one, it may be done by prayer. Jesus taught us to pray. Thy kingdom come in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 10. The other way is by preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. Matthew chapter 24 and verse 14 says this, And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. All right, verse 13. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth. Wherein dwelleth righteousness. Listen, righteousness does not dwell or is not at home in this earth today. We are righteous in this earth, but righteousness does not dwell in this earth today. It is not at home in Washington, D.C. It is not at home in any of the capitals of the world. Oh, but the day is coming when righteousness will be at home in the new earth and in the new heavens. God has a new model of the earth coming on, and I would be glad when it arrives. It would be a wonderful earth because it would be characterized by righteousness. Right now, the ungodly rules, but on the new earth, Jesus will set up a righteous rule. He will set up his kingdom, a kingdom of righteousness and a kingdom of peace for 1,000 years. I'm so excited. I can't wait. Oh, glory to God. All right. Verse 14, Wherefore, beloved, seeing that ye look for such things, be diligent, that ye may be found of him in peace without spot and blameless. And account that the long suffering of our Lord is, is salvation, even as our beloved brother Paul, also according to the wisdom given unto him, hath written unto you. Now, the long suffering of our Lord is salvation. In other words, his patience in delaying his return in judgment is providing an opportunity for men to be saved. Again, the phrase, the long suffering of our Lord is salvation means God's patience in delaying his return in judgment is providing an opportunity for men to be saved. Listen, God is in heaven. Things are not right in the world, but he is going to make them right. Someday. This is the message of the New Testament. And Peter reminds us that Paul also wrote concerning this. All right. Verse 16. And also in all his epistles, speaking in them of these things, in which are some things hard to be understood, which they that are unlearned and unstable rest. They rest. In other words, they wrestle with. As they do also the other scriptures unto their own destructions. Ye therefore, beloved, Seeing ye know these things before, beware lest ye also being led away with the error of the wicked fall from your own steadfastness, but grow 
in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. In conclusion, Peter tells us certain things about the Christian life. Number one, the Christian is a man who is forewarned. In other words, he cannot plead ignorance. He knows the right way and its rewards. He knows the wrong way and its disasters. He has no right to expect an easy way, for he has been told that Christianity means a cross. It means a cross. you got to carry your cross. And he has been warned that there will always be those who are ready to attack and to, to pervert the faith. To be forewarned is to be forearmed, but to be forewarned is also a grave responsibility. For he who knows the right and does the wrong is under a double condemnation. The second thing is that the Christian is a man with a basis for life. He ought to be rooted and founded in the faith. There are certain things of which he is absolutely certain. James Agate once declared that his mind was not a bed to be made and remade, but that on certain things it was finally made up. Listen, there, there is a certain inflexibility there is a certain inflexibility in the Christian life. There is a certain basis of belief which should never change. The Christian will never cease to believe that Jesus Christ is Lord. Hallelujah. The Christian will never cease to believe that Jesus Christ is Lord. And he will never cease to be aware that there is laid on him the duty of making his life fit his belief. Your profession must match your actions. And number three, the Christian is a man or woman with a developing life. The Christian must daily experience the wonder of grace and daily grow in the gifts which grace can bring. And he must daily enter more and more deeply into the wonder which is in Jesus Christ. It is only on a firm foundation that a great building can tower into the air. And is and it is only because it has deep root that a great tree can reach out to the sky with its branches. The Christian life is at once a life with a firm foundation and with an ever outward and upward growth. Listen, only as we spend time with him, as he is revealed in his word, can we grow in our knowledge of him. And so the letter finishes by giving glory to Christ, both now and forever.